These are the tribulations of Paulette. After my little romp in the Connecticut woods, I feel depressed and convinced that there must be something mentally wrong with me. I read about mood gym in the Times, and it sounds like the perfect solution to my midlife crisis, mostly because I have no time to find, much less visit, a therapist. I go to the mood gym website, answer a short questionnaire, and then attempt to register. Fifteen minutes later, I still haven't found an untaken username. I exit the website and feel immediate relief. That must be part of the therapy. Dolly has been calling, demanding a show-and-tell. I finally get back to her. On my way to meet her at Starbucks, I get caught up behind a familiar-looking large black SUV, bobbing and weaving at an annoying 15 miles per hour down my street. Ugh, it's Giselle Bunchen again, the worst driver in the neighborhood. As soon as I can, I pass her. Her side windows are dark, but when I get in front of her, I can see her waving her arm and talking with her phone against her ear. So much for life in the fast lane. Ten minutes later, Dolly listens wide-eyed as I tell her about the events that unfolded earlier in the week in southeastern Connecticut with my high school boyfriend, Ted. She is particularly interested in the Michael Caine from Dress to Kill lookalike twins who bullied Ted in the elevator. Oh, that was no accident, she says. What do you mean by that, I ask. The perv in the woods was no accident either, she says. You're not supposed to be with Ted Paulette. Don't you see? Someone's trying to tell you something. You're nuts, I say. Maybe I am, she says, but you've got to admit that every single time you've been with Ted in the past few months, something has happened that prevents you from going all the way. She's got me there. There was the Four Seasons incident when Ted nearly kicked the bucket. Next was the funeral of our high school friend Steve when we narrowly escaped arrest for drug possession and DUI. The latest turn of events has topped them all. Deep in the woods, a pervert jerked off while watching us smooch. For all we know, he may have been a serial killer. As for the twin blondes in the elevator, Dolly has only one answer. Angels, she says. I spit hot latte into a napkin. (laughs) When did you start believing in angels, I ask? Well, you might as well know that Bunyan has been taking me to church, she says. A lot. How much is a lot, I ask? Couple of times a week. How do you have time for that? And where are you going? St. Ignatius? Not mass, church. The biblical evangelist thing down in Needham. Dolly, an evangelical Christian? Her kids aren't even baptized. You may as well know, Paulette, Bunyan was in jail once. Yeah, well, we kind of guessed that, I say. Well, he learned a lot about spirituality there, and he's teaching me the ropes. No doubt about it, those twin blondes were angels. You know, if you're really observant, you'll see them everywhere. And they're mischievous, too. They would totally do something like push Ted to the back of an elevator. They might have even made that Indian food you ate. Angels made the vindaloo? It wasn't that good. Actually, Paulette, I have never been more sincere about anything in my life. 
Don't you see? Mr. and Mrs. Singh were angels, too. Eating that food they brought in prevented you from having sex with Ted, Dolly says, raising her perfect black eyebrows. Hmm. I attempt to ferret out this conspicuous beauty development. What's with the brows, I ask? Tats, she says. Permanent, I ask? We'll see, she says. I overplucked in the 80s. How they gonna look in 10 years? Can't worry about that now, she says. Paulette, you need to pay attention to these signs. Tell you what, I want you to come with Bunyan and me to the acupuncturist for a gong bath. You'll never see more clearly. A bong bath? Gong, gong, gong bath with a G. She's not joking. I get the skinny later on the acupuncturist website. Seems that if a person is having trouble resolving something on a physical plane, hearing a gong reverberate while you're in the bathtub helps resolve it on a spiritual plane. Next, according to the website, the acupuncturist takes a tuning fork and holds it up to your forehead. This is supposed to create a vibrational state of awareness. If there's one thing I don't need, I think, clicking off the site, it's more vibrational awareness. I'm starting to get some real personal satisfaction exiting stupid websites. The landline rings as I'm changing the linens in the guest room to get ready for the imminent arrival of my in-laws. It's Bertie with some good news. I've been officially invited to attend a meeting of her 100-year-old book club, and I have to drop everything I'm doing because it's in one hour. This is thrilling because no other book club would have me. Too opinionated, they all said. Gee, I wonder why. Collective groups of women have always frightened me. The book club forum represents their highest incarnation. But the Pandorians, well, Bertie's club even has a name. Well, they have a different concept. An eminent college professor leads them, and he gets paid to do it. You can't get in until somebody dies. But Bertie pulled a few strings when somebody had a heart attack and I'm going to be allowed to attend one session. If things go well, I'm in. If not, blackballed. I promise Bertie that I'll be nice and not talk too much. Have you read Mrs. Dalloway? Bertie asks. In college, I say, I think. Take five minutes online and brush up on it, Bertie says. William Baird's got a book on how to talk about books you haven't read, which argues that it doesn't really matter if you've read a book or not, itself included. I read a summary of that on Amazon, along with a plot summary of Mrs. Dalloway, and I'm good to go. On my way out the door to pick up Bertie, I step over our dog, who is lying prostrate on the kitchen floor. I grab my handbag and the car keys. As I'm setting the house alarm, I notice that the dog, who usually runs to another room while the alarm beeps, doesn't budge. He doesn't even look up. Schultze, Schultze, I say, and as I walk over to him, I can see that something isn't right. His front paw is bent under him at a funky angle, and as I turn him over, he doesn't open his eyes. I put my head on his chest and listen. No breathing, no heartbeat. Shoot, the dog is dead. This couldn't be happening at a worse time. But no dead dog is going to come between me and the Pandorian Book Club, and Schultze isn't going to be any more or less dead in two hours anyway. (music) 
I grab a beach towel from the linen closet, roll Schultz in it, and drag him into the coat closet in the mudroom. I'm tempted to call Dave and ask him to come home, but he won't leave his desk even for sex in the middle of the day. Choking back tears, I kneel down to say a few soft words over Schultz's body. Then my cell rings, it's Bertie, and I'm late. The Pandorian Book Club waits for no one, Paulette, she cautions. Twenty minutes later, I'm in Maeve Bornstein's living room, eating rugula with the Pandorians. We are awaiting the arrival of Harrison Richardson, the professor. The Pandorians seem very nice and welcoming. The youngest among them is at least 15 years my senior. Most are dressed in colorful trousers, twin sets, and sensible shoes. Although they wear makeup and jewelry, there is an abundance of gray hair and sagging chins. They are clearly enjoying the pastries that Maeve has offered, and the lively discussion centers on the upcoming presidential election. I'm kind of excited about all this intellectualism. Maybe this is what I've been missing. A discussion with other women that doesn't center on kids, husbands, or interior decorating. Maeve comes over to see how I'm doing. So, how do you know Bertie, she asks. Oh, Bertie and her husband Howard are my neighbors, I say. We met on the street while I was walking our... dog. I feel a momentary stab of guilt, picturing Schultze among the snow boots, dead in the coat closet. They have such a love of life, Maeve comments about Bertie and Howard. They're such fun to be around. Oh, I couldn't agree more, I say. You know, they come to our Christmas party every year, and they're always the last to leave. We're always amazed that two Jews even cared about a Christmas party. Maeve gives a small cough and furrows her brow. What do you mean, two Jews? Maeve asks, her tone slightly altered. Sensing trouble, I backpedal. Well, uh, well, I mean, they dress in tartan. They, they sang carols. They really rose to the occasion, which you would not expect. From two Jews? Maeve asks as the doorbell rings. Maeve shakes her head and excuses herself to answer it. Now I'm a little nervous, because it seems like I've made a faux pas. In an effort to be chummy, I've caused offense. Is it possible that only Jews can refer to themselves as Jews? It must be like black people with the N-word. How could I be so politically incorrect? I'm here five minutes, and I've already ticked off one of the head Pandorians. I find Bertie, and we head to the living room to take our seats. Moments later, the Pandorians stand to applaud Professor Harrison Richardson as he enters the room. I had expected a stooped, white-haired fellow in rimless glasses, all tweedy and smelling like mothballs. Boy, was I wrong. Professor Richardson shakes hands all around and makes a special fuss about Bertie, who is the most senior Pandorian. He gives her a kiss and a hug. Professor, this is my dear friend Paulette, Bertie says, turning to me. I look into the eyes of an extremely handsome, very fit man about my age. He's wearing a jacket and turtleneck and has central casting tuzzled hair. Momentarily, we lock eyes. I'm slightly dizzy. I feel pheromones shoot out of my head at all angles like rays of light. How do you do, he asks, shaking my hand. The pheromones answer, Hello, Professor. On the way home, Bertie compliments me on the few pithy comments I was able to squeak out about the novel. I confess that I only read the summary. Doesn't matter, the professor didn't know, she says. 
Where did you find him? Where does he teach, I ask? Oh, he was at Harvard, but they kicked him out. He was kicked out of Harvard? Why, I ask. Bertie leans into my ear as she's getting out of the car. Juicy scandal, she whispers. Do the Pandorians know that, I ask? Well, what do you think, Bertie replies. It was with one of us. Racked with guilt, I arrive home to deal with the stiff canine in the closet. I think it shouldn't be a total loss. At least I found the right book club. This is Eric Fontana. Next time, your back door man. Till then, ta ta. The